Happy end of meteorological summer. Happy beginning of fall. Happy school. Happy school. Back to shed season. Happy September. Happy to be back with Secret Famous. Um, yeah, I married a teacher. Summertime is extra summertime. I take two months and really chill. It's great. I mean, it's COVID. We've all been, I think, generally chilling, right? It's just been... Lots of chilling. It's been great. Rachel and I moved. I think this is the first time I'm recording from this new apartment, 20th Avenue and 21st Street. It's like the suburbs of Astoria. It's, or our yoga teacher, Alex, said this is the center of the universe, which I think he was being facetious because this is clearly not the center of the universe. But we're psyched to be here. I got my own little room. Rachel's at work. I'm drinking coffee playing guitar, running around like a maniac, literally just having a generally unproductive, productive time where I'm like making a phone call, checking the market, playing guitar, going to the bathroom, reading my book. Uh, I cleaned the floor in the kitchen. That was the most productive thing. I look at my notebook and I'm like, I gotta record the cam intro today because we recorded it yesterday. So we're keeping it fresh. Uh, but Summer, what happened? Rachel, I moved. I haven't really had any gigs. No one's had any gigs. You'll hear Cam and I talk about that in this. Uh, surfed, did yoga. I'm back into playing guitar, which is good. Uh, we went to Tupper Lake with some friends. I was in Rochester. We went home. We went to Maine. We came back home. We were in the Adirondacks. And now we're kind of, we're back into it. It's back to the deal here, dude. So, and Cameron Mitchell, this Secret Famous, released a album with one of the best damn album titles ever, Masquerades and Grand Parades, which I, yeah, I, I think I didn't even, Cam, I didn't even, we didn't really talk about the title, but it is in the second song that we play you out with, A Better Me Soon. Cameron Mitchell is an ace human being, ace musician, singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. He plays guitar and pedal steel, and he's just an ace. He's an ace. One of the four front men of the Barnstorm, the best. I believe their, their tagline is America's Party Band, which is absolutely true. They're an incredibly entertaining band that crushes. It's like seven dudes on stage, and you're just like, they're like a freight train. And they're the most modest and self-deprecating dudes ever, but they're, the band is so good. Like, they, they don't take a break. Check the band out. I think, whatever, whoever cares how I met Cam, but, and then he's always maintained Cameron Mitchell Masquerades and Grand Parades, CameronMitchell.net. Check it out. <clears throat> um, and then, not only does he have a, beautiful home and a beautiful family and a beautiful dude from North Carolina. He is just the man. He's the man. Like I've never, literally never heard anybody be like, that Cam Mitchell, man, 
what up? Never. Like, he's the, everybody's like, oh, I love that guy. Love that dude. He's universally loved in the New York music scene. And take a sip of coffee. I'm keeping this under five minutes. We're at 356. Mm. Anyway, and in this, in the introduction of a new game I want to play in Secret Famous called Suck or Shred, which Cam was really a good person. I'm glad he took some strong roads. I think that's part of the fun of the game. Um, I think all musicians, we all kind of play Suck or Shred, uh, right? So if you see a musician, you're instantly like, okay, what kind of case is that? What kind of guitar is that? Oh, cool clothes. Oh, cool hair. Okay, that's a cool guitar. All right, good gear. And then they play. It's like, they got to sound good, sing good. Oh, is there singing? Singing is, I think to non-musicians, the number one most subjective, objective thing. People are like, I don't like their voice. But I think to other musicians and singers, it's like, if you have the testicular or vulva fortitude to sing, that's just props. Like, you get props. Like, who cares? Man, if you're singing, you're singing. I like it. I, uh, I, I like every, like... Come on. I mean, of course I like some singers better than other singers, but I personally don't like over singing. Like, I don't really, I mean, okay, I'll check out some Mariah Carey or some Pavarotti. Okay, but it doesn't like, it's not going to get me home. You know what I mean? It's a nice little cliff bar on the journey of music. So where did this begin? You're playing Sucker Shred and you're like, and then they play and they're like, oh, they suck. It's just some dumb dude who has money, who has cool gear. <laughs> Cam legit does the, the country like telly thing. He sounds fucking badass. All right, anyway, so we did Sucker Shred. We're gonna play you in with a rad song off his new album, which was produced by Paul Lauren, former guest. We have a cameo by Dave LeBlanc. Barris Bronco, you're burning it down. We're going to play you in with just another band in New York City. This is a bop, dudes. This is a jam. It's an awesome song. I'm sure everybody, like, it's just a fun, happy, feel-good song. And if you know Cam and you know that the Barnstorm did, like, 10 years of Tuesday nights at Brother Jimmy's, and you've gone and you, like, you're like, <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's, like, always an option on Tuesday. And if you have like a little inkling of having a beer or I've taken friends there just to just to hang. Not even like they're always like, this is and you're like, oh dudes, I just wanted to have like a Miller Light and like talk to my friend. All right, let me up there. Let's go. This is gonna be fun. So they're ah oh, dude, the barnstorm. Check them out. Cameron Mitchell.net. He is the best. This song rocks. And then I'm playing you out with the musician track. And Cam, dude, I did not mean to set Cam up for like, in Sucker Shred, we start talking about jam bands because Cam and I are a shared uh, text chain called Musicians Talk Sports slash Rip on Fish and the Patriots. Um, <clears throat> look, I've, I can't believe the amount that I've talked about fish on this podcast. It's actually, it's like not indicative of my actual normal listening habits and or the amount of time that I think about fish, but I just, they're a decisive band. <laughs> like, it's, you're either in or you're out, you know what I mean? And then the track that I pick on Kim has this extended outro, which 
like I, my favorite hip hop tracks are the ones that just let the beat ride for like two minutes at the end. To me, that's more what this is. It, Cam. So this is directly responding to our conversation yesterday in Maplewood, New Jersey. It was nice to be in New Jersey. That's a cool town. Um, so playing you in with just another band in New York City. It's now eight minutes. I've gone over. Um, everybody, stay positive. Stay calm. We're going to make it through this. We got the election coming up. We're in the middle of a massive civil rights movement, which is generally all super positive, besides the horrific deaths. But other than that, this is all good stuff. I don't know. I had a friend who, he gets super dark. A dude who plays bass on this album, actually, Seth Onderjack, he gets so dark. He's like, we're not playing gigs till 2022. But then he's discovered going to the beach and being in the ocean and enjoying taking a board out and splashing in the waves with me. And he was just like, this was meant to be. He had like a glimmer of super positivity. He's like, it was meant to be. And I was like, dude. So guys, Cameron Mitchell is the goddamn man. Please enjoy this. And I'll work on my diminished licks, which no one will ever give a shit about hearing. This guitar, the action on this guitar switches like just in minutes. I woke up this morning and it was very playable, but now, it's battling me. Y'all have a excellent time. Please enjoy this. Cameron Mitchell. Again, thank you to Cameron Mitchell. Please check him out CameronMitchell.net. The album is called Masquerades and Grand Parades. Just another band in New York City. We're just another band in New York City. Just another band in New York City We don't sound half bad It's such a pity We're just another band in New York City Every Tuesday night Every natural light Every tip for a song Every word so wrong It's gonna be alright We're just another band in New York City we're just another band in New York City We're playing right in, it's such a pity We're just another band in New York City Every air crank loud Every asshole crowd Every side of every state Keep a track of shit we take It's gonna be ours now We're just another band in New York City we just 
ladies and gentlemen, we are here in Maplewood, New Jersey with Cameron Mitchell, singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist who just released a new record, Masquerades and Grand Parades. Great album title. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, that's a really good album title. <laughs> and I just great. played everybody in with just another band in New York City, which, uh, I mean... Yeah. It's a hit, man. You wrote Thanks. a hit. Thanks, man. You wrote a hit song. Cool, cool. I'd had that song in the till for about five years, thinking it was just like a melody that kept going in my head. I was like, man, this is I gotta put this out into the world somehow. And it's kind of like I passed over, like I did my previous album and didn't do it. Um, I wanted to do it maybe even with a barnstorm at some point, just didn't really come out. And so, long story short, I just did it for this album, not knowing if it really even fit the vibe. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad I did it because uh, people have responded to it, that song specifically. Yeah. Maybe I should have released that as the single. <laughs> <laughs> that shows you what I know. It's such a relatable song. So did it actually start as the melody you just said? Or did you get that line in your head like, just um, I had the melody first. And I forget what my words were, but then not long after that, the melody, the words, I was like, just another band. I was like, oh, there it is. Like, we can make this a a, a, a bar band song from oh the perspective yes. of a bar band. Yes. Which uh, I was happy with. Which, which should be duly noted that Cam is in the ultimate, ultimate of ultimate bar bands. <laughs> the greatest band in New York City. Oh, America's just another America's bar just band. Like the Barnstorm. So I like you. There's such a context for like hearing you sing that song. It's like this is a dude who knows oh, this life. Yeah, cool, you know what yeah. I, mean? I guess so, man. You know, I, you reference Tuesday night. Uh, yep, Tuesday nights drinking natural lights. I don't know if, uh, at your times at Brother Jimmy's <laughs> if you ever uh, drank natural light, which is like the laughing stock of beer. Yes. But honestly, it's like a shade above of above water. Yeah, you could drink so, a thousand of them and be sober. right. So yeah. if you're gonna play a gig for ten years straight. It's a good habit to get into drinking <laughs> the lightest beer possible. Is it like under 4% probably? It's like There's got to be. There's got to be. Yeah, I that, don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. That's been my summer thing this summer. Speaking of light beer, is like the lightest beer. Like Heineken Light mm. is 3.8 or 2.8. You can drink them all day and you're like, well, I'm not. I just have to pee. I, nothing's yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense that... That's funny. I've seen some uh, beer uh, at the stores now that are like 2%. Two or, and I forget what they're called, but like, man, that's low. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, like, that's a good thing, right? Like, I don't know. It is should, a good thing. Yeah. I'm getting older and slower and yeah. like, I need to keep as the much. The hangovers get worse. Worse and worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those nine percenters. Woo! No more. So, dude, dude, and you track this. This has got to be, this is the first record I've heard that you tracked it with Paul Lauren. I did, yeah. Dave LeBlanc, who's in this building. That's correct. On drums. Seth Ondracek Seth on, bass. on bass. Uh, Hannah Winkler sang backup vocals. I was going to ask. She sounds um, mighty Yeah, she sang, sounds great. She uh, sounds Brooks really Wood sang uh, some backup vocals on Just Another Band, as well as Bobby McGrath, who I play in his country band. Yep. yep. Um, and, and, and Paul also played keyboards on the, on, the, on the album. I had to assume. I heard yeah. the parts. I was like, that's Paul Lord. Cool. I'm glad you thought that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal human and musician yes um i don't know what to put first but uh i loved working with him i felt very lucky that he was willing to to take me on you know mm -hmm. and it came out it came out great and i had a blast working with him uh specifically in the studio we recorded at studio g in uh brooklyn yes and uh 
kind of got it in under the wire of, of, of COVID, really. Did he mix and master it too, or did you send it out? Or He mixed. I had Kevin Blackler, mm-hmm. uh, dude in Bushwick, who I've worked with for a few things, and I know a lot of New York City guys have. He mastered it uh, in April. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. you you I, you scored doubly. You got a house and an album before COVID. <laughs> I know. That's got like, out right in time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And the funny part too is that this pers- this specific project uh, felt so like near and dear to my heart. Living in Brooklyn, like I, I wrote about this a little bit on my little promo that um, because the studio was so local and my friends were so local, like there were days when people were like walking to the studios and. I was walking to the rehearsal spaces and um, I don't know, it was just a very like, oh, cool. You know, we're in an awesome spot. Like I'm in Brooklyn, middle of this great area. It felt so natural to have my like friends come out and help and help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I, I was really, so yeah, on the other side of it, it's even more ironic because now that's like a former life of mine. Yeah, um, it kind of encapsulated that whole yeah, still hard to wrap my head around. Honestly, it's only been a few months. <laughs> <laughs> I see you really. What a really year! That yeah, it's it, it's only been a few months, but it, it it it's felt like the twilight zone, like just some sort of Groundhog's Day, like. Yeah, I hear that. Man. We're like, oh, we're doing this again. We're still doing we're this. Doing this yeah. again. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, you're not alone in that, man. Um, I've lost definitely lost track of the days of the week. Yeah. Many times. I Ye- thought it was Friday all day today. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, ni- it's 1922. <laughs> I'm, I'm that far off. Oh, oh, man. So that's cool. I guess, and I didn't, I didn't, I, I love that idea though, but you were living in Brooklyn when you recorded the album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you moved here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife and I decided uh, late last year that that's was, that was going to be our next step in, in life and our best option was start looking out here. Um, she's from Louisiana and I'm from North Carolina. Yeah. So our thought was possibly to get out of New York city area, but then we sort of changed courses on that where we weren't ready to leave the city yet, but we have a two year old daughter mm-hmm. and, um, and we, and, and we saw the writing on the wall of like living in an apartment with a toddler running around and, um, really wanted to be able to have a spot like this in the suburbia. So, uh, we had heard good things about Maplewood. So that's awesome. We, and Kev, then I mean this as a compliment. I was, this is what I was tossing and turning around in my head on the way here. Is that, and I've thought about this for a little bit. Once you record in different areas of New York City, each borough has like a sound. Oh huh, yeah, right. Okay. Do you sure. ever, you know how? And you go into a studio, and it's like literally everything. It's like your studio would have a sound. It's like this wood mm, and right, this vibe right. and That's your energy, right. <clears throat> And I listened to your record, and I literally thought, oh, this is a Brooklyn record. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, um, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, it no, it's like in Brooklyn. Sounds, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I yeah. I can hear the almond milk cortado on the preamp. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, Paul Lauren loves his uh, vintage antique gear. Yeah, yeah, it's like these beautiful sounds that are very pleasing to the ear, but also have a, a, an aesthetic of that burrow. I don't know if I'm talking so like esoteric or whatever, but like I, I hear it when I hear it, like, Manhattan record, yeah, what's right? Like Manhattan's got to be slicker. It's so and, slick because yeah. you're under the gun. It's so expensive. It's right, like you got right. like you got to go in there and it's got to sound polished or whatever. You know yep. what I mean? Or it's like getting mastered at Sterling. It's uh, you know it's gonna come out sounding yeah. slick. And then in my brain, I kept joking more. So I was like, oh, Staten Island, it's a covers record. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Queens, it's just a metal record. Yeah, you know uh, I mean? yeah, yeah, sure. 
That's so this great. Is, it's like so it's like a hip. I was like, this is like Brooklyn country. Like this is a sound. You know what I mean? Cool, cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, Kim, <clears throat> do did you grow up playing country, or were you just appealed to it? You said North Carolina. Like, tell me about this. Like, how did you get this sound? Because you speak the language fluently. You play lap steel. You played it all over the record. I assume too. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep, played on the record. Yeah. So is this just? This is this is part well, um, of what you, know, you were birthed into. So yeah, I, I sort of you know like looking back on it, my my dad's a, parents are big music fans and, and introduced me to a ton of music when I was a kid. Like it was a huge part of our household. Uh, my dad played guitar. Um, my my apparently my dad and mom had a band for a hot second back nice. in the '70s, uh, like a little acoustic duo. And uh, so I grew up with music in the house um, and listening to what. At the time, weren't really country bands, but listening back, you'd be like, oh, that's super country. Bands like The Eagles, Poco, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, America. Uh, that sound was huge in my parents' house. Uh, Marshall Tucker. Marshall Tucker was like not considered a country band. They were Southern rock, yeah. which was different, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. listening back on it, it's, it's, it's country, mm -hmm. or, or Americana, I guess, what you maybe call it now. So I definitely grew up with that. Um, being... A child of the 90s, uh, you know, in my teen years, I love 90s rock. Mm -hmm. So I think my, my like musical vocabulary is really just this mishmash of um, what I try to do is like classic country with playing pedal steel and, you know, Telecaster stuff. And then I can't help myself sounding a little bit like <laughs> like bands that, you know, 90s bands, let's like just say. Eddie Vedder, you know, got to my vocal style. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we all, we're the same age there. You're like, all right. Totally. That's what singers are supposed to sound like. <laughs> yes. They're supposed to sound like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a singer sings like. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah, because if you think about like some of the 70s, like country bands that I was just referring to, or, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, a lot of it's like, Really soft-spoken and close to the microphone. Yeah, soft and smooth. Yeah. Soft and smooth, and that wasn't really part of my <laughs> vocal the 90s, technique. Uh, yeah, still yeah. not. Yeah, I never really learned that. But uh, anyway, so that's my yeah, that's my real big influence, I guess, is a little bit um, acoustic country rock and uh, just country, and, no. and then rock, 90s rock. Because it's like it's such a thing built into your musical vocabulary, you know what I mean? Because it's like you so easily write in that style, you know what I mean? It's like genuine. I was like, he just must have grew up playing these tunes, this style. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? totally. Because I listened to your acoustic Live at Rockwood record, and he's wearing a Rockwood Music Hall shirt right now. Oh, uh, yeah, just got it in the mail. Sex, the drugs, day. and Rockwood Music Hall, yeah. Did you? <laughs> I did. I figured I'd support Rockwood. They, I don't know if you saw, they were like selling some merch. Yeah, and, I you did. Know, Rockwood's been good to me. I've, I've, I've liked Rockwood. No, it is. It's a special scene. Somewhere, it is. Yes, it is. It, you know, it really I, is. It's community. We came together through that. And, you know, um, a lot of the people that played on this record came through that scene. And um, a lot of other friends, you know, a lot of our mutual friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so while, you know, I, I hope it, it, it maintains its uh, presence in our lives through this pandemic, you know, because... Uh, both musicians and venues are definitely having a hard time. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I did email Matt on Mountish being like, yo, hit, hit up Matt. I emailed him and I was like, oh my God. The online show is a whole different thing. How did your online release show go? 
Uh, it you, went well. Well, geez, here's it. I have no idea because I was in this room and I was staring at a phone or, you know, like, yeah. you play a song and like, you're like, thank you. <laughs> you know, can you even say thank you if you get no response? And I'm not, I'm not saying people didn't like it. I'm just, you know, you just kind of keep going. This I don't is know. new to me. This is and this is new to all of us. Probably is doing like performance on on um, on IG Live or whatever. Like I've definitely filmed myself and posted videos, but not live very often. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a novel experience. I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad it it went well in my perspective. Um, I got some nice feedback, but uh, other, but in real time, yeah, I have no idea. How you had no idea. You were no like, oh, oh, what do I? Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. interesting because you were, you were just doing it. You like indie rock style. You did the. You were the yeah right here. I was tech right here. Yeah, and the sound man. My my, my wife Becca helped me with the uh, with some tech and lighting. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's like a whole thing. I, yeah, and I'm and I'm sort of envious of the people who have already had it set up. You know, we're like guys have cameras in their studio, and like I didn't have that. Maybe one day, but um, I feel a little behind the curve on that. But maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like it's not like something I would love to keep doing. You know, honestly, I just want to get as you do. I want to get back in a room with a bunch of people. And, you know, I like hanging out with people. The whole alone thing is is not my. Yeah, yeah this is what I've learned. Right, like, right. I can't just. You're a social guy. Social guy. I got to be out there. I yeah. like. I like I chose being in bands, right? Because I like hanging out with my friends, and you like getting on stage, and you like being loud, yeah. Like, and all of those things about being alone and staring at my computer is like silence. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh god. Yeah, and like I, I assume some people are like cool with that, but um, maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Well, I'm glad you did it. I did one recently that was trying to. It was a house concert that was attempting to do. Like social distance, like ten people in the audience, and then we're trying to do to a curated concert on Zoom. Mm. So it was two and two. The idea was great. You're like, oh, okay, people will interact. But then now it was like, it's like a metaphor for modern life. You're battling between the screen and humanity, and you're right. like, Wait, who do we perform for? Right. You know, so it was actually a little overwhelming. Like you just have to probably do a hundred of them to sure, figure sure. out how to manage that. But it was like. Right. Yeah, we're not uh, we're who, not like inherently AV people, you know, and it takes like a to make it look cool these days. It's it takes like knowledge and money for like lighting and <laughs> yeah. I still don't understand why IG Live uh, reverses the image. Like how how they have not figured that out yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Like all the guitarists are left-handed. That doesn't even bother me as much as when I see Paul Lord or someone playing keyboards and it's backwards. Yeah, you know, and they're like left hand is playing the high part and the right hand's playing bass, and that. It makes it like difficult for me to watch. Mm. I'm sure they can correct that issue, right? Like you that, would think that's you would think saying. that one could be corrected. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's there's so many there's so many things, and I fully agree with you. I have a friend who was dialed into this weeks ago because he has like a YouTube thing. So he was like fully like the look and the lights and the, I'm like, I don't have any lights yet. You got a light? I mean, you're doing a thing. You got a. <laughs> Cam's got a, it's a, desk like lamp. a beautiful desk lamp. But it's, it's setting a whole vibe. It's I don't know, man. Desk. It's like the lamp from Pixar, you know? It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's... <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, that's dope. Dude, so I'm glad you sent me this list. I want to tell you, Cam, like, now, for those of you listening at home, I don't know how I met Cam. I met. I saw you on the Vanity Bells. 
Okay. And right, Kenny yeah. maybe was in that gig. Yep. Sure. And then I think one day we, we were talking about musicians who are really good athletes. Now, wherever this story started, and I've, I've pro- approached you on this a couple times, in my mind, Cam was a professional baseball player. You know what uh, I mean? I was like, oh yeah, Cam played for the Astros for like six years, <laughs> and then he moved to New York. Like, nah, nah, and the story w- might have started as like, oh, he played ball in college. And I'm like, oh no, he's like a professional baseball player, and then he plays guitar like this. You, do you believe this dude? Do you believe this guy? Like, so, uh, no, I can't let's say talk that about I... your baseball career. Because as I'm coming into Cam's basement, there's a baseball railing. I was like, uh-huh, professional yeah. baseball player. <laughs> it's not even my railing. <laughs> it was left here by the former owner. So tell us about your your career in the MLB. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hit 250 till I hurt my knee. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I played baseball up until uh, college or in, in college. Um, and, um, yeah, it was great. It was a huge part of my life for the first 20 years of my life or so. Um, yeah. I... Uh, Lived and breathed baseball. I was a huge baseball fan. I still am a big baseball fan. Um, but I played during the summertime and um, travel teams and ended up playing with some like good players and ended up going on to playing Major League Baseball, unlike myself. Played with a lot of guys that played pro, though, you know, whether minor leagues or um, independent ball or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, was, I, 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 uh, I hit a ceiling with my skill level. Probably about like 17 years old. Honestly, I was like as good as I was ever going to get. In looking back on it, yeah. And uh, you know, you were a pitcher, right? No, I was uh, I was catcher in first base. Catcher first I, base. I did uh, I did pitch in high school, but a lot of people pitch in high school. You know, I threw hard, and and that makes you a pitcher, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're somewhat accurate. Yeah, right. And then you played in college for all four years? Uh, two years. Two years. Two years. I had uh, a good run for two years playing. I was catcher, and I was uh, captain of the team my sophomore year. That's huge. And, That's huge. Uh, yeah, long story short, my uh, coach and I had a little run-in, and uh, it did not allow me to continue playing my career there. You know, I, I, I basically uh, wasn't welcome back on the team slash didn't want to really finish my last two years of college playing. Yeah. Uh, subsequently, that guy has really fallen off the rails in many ways. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I won't mention him by name. <laughs> but yeah, no, I played for impressive. two years. And you and played was, Division One baseball. Yep, I played, it, I played, at, noted. I played uh, at Brown, which is uh, a great school, but not the best baseball program. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing even against the school itself. It was just like baseball in New England is hard. It's it's a short season because of the weather. Yeah, it's a long, dark off season. Mm-hmm. Um, so had I been smart, I would have stayed in smarter. I would have stayed down south and played for, <laughs> you know, state school down there. Were you drawn to Brown specifically for the academics, or you just wanted to go to the Northeast? Or um, I got recruited by um, a number of schools in in high school. Like mm-hmm. I, my parents kept the letters. I got, my, I must've been re- recruited by like 40, 50 schools. Sometimes just a letter. Sometimes I took official visits. Um, I went out to the university of San Francisco. I went to, uh, Dartmouth, Harvard, Brown for official visits. And, um, basically I, I was getting recruited by some uh, good baseball programs, but once the, once these other better schools started recruiting me, it was like, Oh, I should really go to one of these schools. To a great yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. And so, the, um, which I'm glad I did, you know, because like 
the, the chances of becoming like a successful, rich baseball player are the same as winning the lottery. You know, it, it's small. Yeah. Even if you're playing professional baseball, minor league baseball, the chances are very small. Um, so I'm glad that I'm, I'm, I have no regrets about playing baseball at Brown. It was just, but did it make for a great baseball experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, is, did you become obs- like were you like I'm good when you were done your sophomore year is that when you were like okay I'm doing nothing but music I'm going to be a guitar player and that like they were kind of going at the same time kind of, yeah because yeah, the trains going parallel yeah, I had a band in high school um that uh was short-lived but basically we won a battle of the bands contest the one battle of the bands contest I've entered it's a power trio we won three thousand dollars at like mm. 17 years old 16 years old thousand dollars a man and I was like, holy shit. This is the big time. Yeah. I was like, if I could do this for the rest of my life, yeah, yeah, yeah. just $1,000 a gig, that's all it would take. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, I got bit by that bug in high school. Was that an original band too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Called like, Verona. Verona, was it, dare I say, like Green Day or Nirvana influenced? Like crunch <laughs> guitar or was it? No, uh, we had some crunch guitar. It was like, 90s rock, but we also had a couple ballads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was the main songwriter. My uh, buddy, who was the drummer, was the singer. So it was guitar, bass, drums, and he was a singer on drums. Little Josh Dion. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Um, and he also played piano, but not uh, at the same time like Josh Dion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I had a band in college that was a uh, band called Lush, mm-hmm. and we were just like a drunken cover band. Yeah. Which is why I went into the profession of being a drunken, <laughs> drunken cover band. <laughs> Years of practice. I'm really good at this thing. Yeah. That's great. And you guys were just playing around Providence. Played and- in Providence, played all the Brown events, played like, played some uh, the outdoor like lawn fests where even a uh, reunion party where we would play to like 1,500, 2,000 people. You know, we were, we, I'm not saying we were like a big deal outside of Brown, but like, we were one of the fun known bands fun at Brown. party bands. Party yeah. bands, yeah. So that, that was, I had a band, and funny enough, um, the, that was a four-piece band, and out of the four, three were on the baseball team. Oh, man. Um, so that's how we came together. So when I quit baseball, um, I still had the band, and I still had my baseball buddies, and I still do to this day. I mean, yeah, those, guys, yeah. those guys still play music, and my guys I was friends with on the baseball team, I'm still, you know, chatting with daily. Oh, man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. There's something here. Is there something between baseball and uh, music? I mean, Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill. I can only name Yankees that play. But, uh, <laughs> um, perhaps, perhaps. Dan, I think it's Dan Zlotnick. I don't know if you know that. He was a baseball player. He was a singer songwriter. I don't. Know. Oh, really? No, yeah. I don't know him. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I, I think at some point, in some regards, there's there's like a practice aspect to it, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always love practicing. You know, practice baseball and taking extra swings and my dad took me out from a young age when we take batting practice um i still like practicing now you know i don't know if it shows but i do practice <laughs> yeah and uh i think i guess that'd be my biggest corollary for sure it's just like a little bit of a work ethic it's like it takes to, a little bit of time every yeah. day to get marginally improved right yeah, yeah totally i do not think that i'm a protege by any stretch and whether sports or music you know like that did not feel like a thing i felt like i was always a few steps behind my like peers. Like a grinder. Yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. And now that I'm, you know, late 30s, I do feel like that's sort of been my approach. It's mm-hmm. just like, 
you know, just grinding it out. Just keep going. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. Then, so what drew you to New York after Brown? <clears throat> a girl. Uh, the classic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, no, you know, I, I I didn't have a whole lot of direction out of out of graduating college, so I moved to New York in 2005, and uh, got a job working in real estate, mm-hmm. and actually stayed with that job off and on for another uh, decade or more, like wow. 12, 12 yeah. years. You learned the biz. Learned the biz while I was starting to play bar gigs. So I had a f- foot in both worlds. Um, and learned this, got to know the city a lot. We were a building sales company, so I got to visit hundreds, if not thousands, of buildings around the city, seeing a lot of neighborhoods. So that was cool. That was a great experience. Um, and then, like I said, simultaneously playing music and working at uh, working my way up through the bar gigs, and you know, yeah. um, whether it was becoming a guitar for hire or doing the weddings or corporate events, you know. You were out there. People trying. You were like, yeah. yeah. Is that when you started to pick up? Uh, Pedal steel, lap steel. Yeah, I started playing pedal steel um, 2012, so it's been eight years now, which is crazy. But um, I sort of had this a little bit of a f- obsession with it prior to ever touching it or playing one. You mm. know, I, I like kind of woke up one day. If not, it, what I can't recall if it was like a dream or like I was awake. Yeah. But I do remember just one day being like, oh. I should learn to play pedal steel because then I could play music for the rest of my life and like have a skill that potentially would get me hired for gigs. Yeah. And became like obsessed with it from that moment. Spent the next three months learning about it, reading instruction books on how to play it, even though I didn't have one. Or, and then I just bit the bullet, you know, ponied up a few grand. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to like go big sort of. You can't buy a crappy pedal steel. Yeah, that does make sense. Because um, they're, they're so... Um, machine-based, you know, like a crappy one will just break down, whereas a solid, well-built one will last you a long time, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I uh, started learning in 2012 via the internet and books and took some uh, private lessons from some dudes, uh, Rich Hinman, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Lamb. Those are the two big names I know. Yeah, yeah so I, I met with them a few times and like, <clears throat> you know, their advice was great and I still remember some of their advice today, specific to... Uh, pedal steel and from rich hinman he basically said it, it's he likened it to a practice like yoga you know like you just kind of like have to get into it and it's like sl- slow improvements and you can fall out of it but then you got to get back into it to kind of get back to where you were yeah and so i felt that now over the eight years like i was really diligent about playing a lot for the first two to four years and um you know, it's, it's not an easy instrument to keep up with oh because God. it's like always has to be set up. Yeah. You, just have, you need to have the room for it. And living in New York City, like you rarely do have the room just to leave this big ass thing set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's why people, most people have to have two, right? One that, yeah. you, one that you play <laughs> yes. the gig and one you shed up. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I've yeah. heard this. Yeah. Yeah. One in a case and one in a set up. Uh, which now that I have the space, honestly, I've, I've considered. <laughs> 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 if only I had the income to, yeah. to justify it. Do you play now? I see. This is there's two different necks or something, right? Are you yeah, playing? I have a single neck E9. Um, the other neck is a C6 when you have the double neck. Yeah, that's used for a lot of like Western swing stuff. Um, it'd be cool to have, and I have played on them. But there's ways you can fake pedals, fake kind of sound. E, uh, yeah. C6 sound with the pedal steel on E9. Do you have a lap steel thing too? I do not. Mm. I just the pedal steel. Yeah. 
I was like in the days of COVID, I listened to some Hawaiian music and then started Googling uh, lap steels. I'd love to get a lap steel. It's, it's, it's while similar to pedal steel, it's, it's a different animal into mm. itself. You have to do a lot of different little skills. Because um, with pedal steel, you know, I, I rely on the, the pedals and the changes for the movements a lot of times, where in lap steel, it's solely on the bar. You know, solely you, on your hands. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah. Where a lot of pedal steel is, is staying in one spot at times and doing different changes around the uh, that one spot. Yeah, that's, that's that sounds like my mind exploding as a guitar player, right? Like yeah, your body, I know, your knee I know. is doing a minor third or a major yeah. third or where the heck it is. Yeah, it's a pedal steel is a music theory mindfuck, <laughs> yeah, and I love it for speak. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's addictive. Every time. Yeah. It, so you kind of. What do you what do you learn tunes? The same thing. It's not like you yeah. sit down and practice scales or like that. Probably be a, well probably could, early in the days and like you know I, I I go through a different kind of routine with practicing. Sometimes I'm learning licks specifically. Sometimes I'm like slowing down stuff with the amazing slow downer. Yeah, uh, yeah. And trying to learn it note for note. You know, just to have that lick in my repertoire. Did you start bringing it to like the barnstorm gigs? Just to, I did. Just to shed. Out yeah, it? yeah, I did, and then it became like the realization of. You know, the Barnstorm, despite sounding like a country band, we would typically only play a couple country songs a night. Mm -hmm. You know, we were more likely to play like a 90s R&B song than a country song. Yeah. Um, so it didn't have a lot of application with the Barnstorm. And so I realized quickly that like it's a it's a hassle to to carry to gigs. You know, it's the difference between taking the subway in and taking a $80 round trip cab. <laughs> and, you know, that's a big difference. That's Let me tell you. Difference. You're like... All right. And carrying I, it too. You I'm know, just it's like play the telly tonight. Yeah, yeah the, the instrument makes you work for it. Yeah, which is an, uh, I think probably detract. You know, turns off a lot of people from really pursuing it. But I think that me, that I like a lot of other pedal steel players are like a little bit of gluttons for punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, just like trying to challenge ourselves more than we need to. <laughs> and both the guys you named, Johnny Lamb and. Rich Hinman are not in New York anymore, right? Uh, is Johnny Lamb not in New York? I don't know. I, I heard a rumor about him that he was just living in Maui, surfing oh, and that's playing. Cool, good so for him. He's like my dream character. I yeah, heard about this. I yeah, was like, good for him. He had some gig where he could just get flown. And, I don't right. know. I he was yeah, he was torn for a lot, and I know he wasn't in New York much, but um, good for him if that's what he's doing. Yeah, and did, did you know a guy named John Eichley? Um, he, he was a pedal steel. I know guy. the name, but I, I didn't know him personally. No. Yeah, you're, he he moved to New Mexico, so it's all you. Like all <laughs> the gigs are coming to you, bro. Yeah, you're right. just, you're gonna win <laughs> all those gigs. <laughs> coming all those yeah gigs. Well, uh, well, we, you know, I glossed over these two names though, bro. Josh Hamilton and David Wright. Not to to, to circle back to our baseball thing here. Oh yeah, well I can make this. Give, me, give us one of these stories. Come on. Sure. How I cool played, is that to just... So I played baseball uh, in high school with Josh Hamilton. Get out of here. He's um, just on your high school team. Yep, I'm a high school team. He's two years older than me. Um, I played on the varsity team both my freshman and sophomore year. We made it to the state championship my freshman year and lost. Um, I uh, was the catcher my sophomore year, main catcher, and uh, caught Josh because he pitched in high school like a lot of baseball players. Like you know. Yeah, the big stud. He show. is. Uh, the best athlete I've ever seen in person. You know, he's just, he was 6'4", 220 in high school with size 18 shoes. He was faster than anybody, like even anybody at our school, like yeah. you know, track guys. Um, could hit the ball, throw the ball, 
better you know he was just faster just than, in everything he could do just, yeah. yeah and a night and a really nice dude and like uh i followed his career and we, we kept in touch a little bit we ran into each other a couple times in raleigh over the years um but um and he's a he's a great dude i i wish he i wish he had had a better <laughs> result of his career you know like he became such a story but like <clears throat> i really wish he just became like a hall of famer yeah know? And and didn't have the the backstory that he's got now. Yeah, he had quite a story. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, which is still ongoing. It's I still believe. ongoing. I googled yeah. him this morning, and I was like, yeah. nope, nope, he still has. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty. Less yeah. than flattering articles being published about. Josh. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but Josh was a great dude in high school. Like we we were we were buddies, and and he's a nice guy, and uh, um, it was so cool to see his meteor. Uh, meteor rock, his rise, his rise, his yeah. rise, man. You know he was um, he was a great player and a great dude, and uh, he got recruited by all these uh, schools, and then they realized, oh, he's not going to college. And then he started. He got re- <laughs> he got recruited by. He was getting scouted by like every major league team at our our games. We would have like wow. thirty scouts, one from each team at our games. Um, we had scouts at our practices. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> it, it exposed me to like, oh, this that, is like next level baseball, and it yeah, certainly helped yeah. me. You know, I, I, I didn't get as far as he did, obviously, or as far as I wanted to, but uh, he definitely helped my baseball career. That is very cool. Yeah, and then I played on some summer league teams. Played with David Wright uh, in high school summer league team out in Long Beach. We played on a few different teams um, that were mainly based out of like Pittsburgh. We played for like this Pittsburgh Pirates funded team. Um, I played on. Is he a cool dude? He seems like a totally yeah, normal dude. Yeah, he was a great dude. dude. Yeah, 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 totally normal dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy, too. Nice guy. I have not kept in touch with him over the years. Um, but um, oh, It's only a matter of time until he hits the bar storm up for a gig. That's you know? right. Yeah. That's right. I was always kind of hoping he'd like... I had heard that he <laughs> lived in Union, back, yeah. Yeah, lived in Union Square. Yeah. And I was just like, well, one of these nights, he's going to come into Brother Jimmy's and I'm playing. I'll be like, yo, like, David. Dave, my dude. Remember Long Beach? My mom used to wash your underwear in the sink. <laughs> That's true. That's awesome. That's a good side story. And I think you said it. I like that. That's the way I describe any professional athlete. Like, a normal person can do whatever they do. They just do it, like, four times faster. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> of course. All the best athletes I've ever they're like, you're, like, running, and they're just, you're like, what? Where everybody else is, like, here, and then you're like, oh, that's the guy who's yeah. an athlete. Yeah. If, like, you, have you been to an NBA game and, like, <clears throat> sat close to the floor? Yes. Those guys are just unbelievably big. Unbelievably like, big, and then jump like like spring into the air. They're fast. They're strong. You're like, what? And how like I ever deceived myself that I could be a basketball player? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's our '90s thing, dude. With like MJ, right? Like that. Yes, he, they sold us a, a bill of goods, man. We're like, dude, I could be MJ. Yeah, do it like Mike. I'm drinking Gatorade. Yeah, and like I grew up in, in North Carolina, and that's you know, right. Duke and UNC were so big. Like everybody plays basketball. Everyone's basketball obsessed. Everyone thinks. I'm going to play at Carolina when I grow up. It's like, nah, uh, no, nah, you're not. No, probably not. No, definitely not. <laughs> Although a ton of basketball players do, great basketball players come out of North Carolina. Uh, I was just thinking about this last night, like Chris Paul. and uh, Great player? Just because of that, what you're saying? the uh, I, Yeah, there I think there's a culture a of it. culture sure. of basketball yeah. in North Carolina, yes. Yeah. Obviously Michael Jordan, you know. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, it's a great basketball state. It's great. North Carolina is a, is a good sports state in general. I, I believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so those are my those are my two uh, good baseball those are stories. And I played some other dudes. Uh, Jason stories. Vargas, who I think still pitches for the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Anyway. And there is, my nephew is a, a baseball player. It seems that there is a culture similar to the rock band where you're like, you guys end up spending so much time together. It's a huge group of dudes. It's like 25 right. guys. Right. And then, so sure. you have, you, you have your factions and your friends. Yeah. For sure. All your different like scenes. And then, yeah, it makes total sense that you keep in touch with these guys. Cause you had to wash each other's underwear. Exactly. You yeah. Said. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, um, you spend a lot of time with dudes uh, on buses. Um, I always loved being part of a team. I think the part of that is carries over to loving being in bands, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's, the camaraderie. Yeah. The camaraderie. I love the camaraderie. Um, you know, sometimes like the late night van rides back from gigs can, can be uh, tedious, but overall, like that's what we signed up for, you know? No, I, yeah, <clears throat> I get it. I get it. It's, it's the best. Well, we're all really missing it currently right now, too, of course. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what I would do to smell my buddy's fart right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, and then you told me, you wrote, I have a funny Jake Owen story. And then I was like, I didn't know who this guy is. And then I was Googling him this morning. He's amazing. What a, <laughs> like, he, I, yeah. so, like, Cam, I always envisioned, like, later in my yeah. career, even, okay, when I was younger, I was like, I want to move to the Florida Keys and just play Jimmy Buffett covers. And I said, I always told my friends when I was in my early 20s, I was like, I'm leaving New York when I'm 33. I'm out. I'm giving yep. it 10 years. And I'm out of here. And then, <laughs> and then they're all like, you know, at sure, 33, sure. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm signing on for another 10. But after that, <laughs> I'm going to Florida. You know, I want to chill, you know. And then checking out Jake Owen. I'm like, this guy, he's doing the, ch he's under that chesney thing and kind of has that he is and, and he's a golfer and, and he's, he's an athlete and he's yeah. an athlete and he seems like a nice dude um that said <laughs> <laughs> here we go here's the uh, real guys this is probably like 2000 the real jake eight story. or nine um just as the barnstorm had started playing we were actually known at the time as three guys one cup wow yeah um the beginning of the yep yep beginning and uh, we knew this girl who had gone to Florida State, and she was a, sort of a friend slash fan of ours, you know, and, and she came out in, a lot. And one night, her ex-boyfriend was in town, and she invited him out to Brother Jimmy's, and lo and behold, it's Jake Owen. Did you know him when you saw him? Were you like, oh, that's Jake Owen? Um, he had had a couple songs at that point yeah. in, like, the pop country world, so I had heard his name, and, like, yeah. Um, and uh, so... About uh, not long after he arrived, though, I see him leave. And, 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 not, and I think we, if I recall correctly, like we knew that he was there with maybe like, oh, maybe he'll sing with us. Oh, maybe know, Jake like, will sit in. Yeah. yeah. And he left. So we're like, ah, oh, well. So we hear later from our friend, the girl from Florida State, his ex-girlfriend, that when he arrived, he basically said, I don't want to sit here and listen to this shitty band. <laughs> and the girl was like, but these, this shitty band is my friends and I want you to come see them. And yeah. he like stormed out. <laughs> so ever since then, we've had a chip on our shoulder about Jake Owen. And I don't know if Jake Owen's ever going to listen to this. I hope somehow no. this gets... Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Jake Owen, that dick. He's yeah. uh, subsequently like, we played a Wheels Up event in Houston for the Super Bowl a few years ago. And yeah. he was like the headliner and we were... Uh, the first opener of the uh, of the day. Yeah, and I really wanted to like if I saw him because it was like felt like water under the bridge. You know, like I wanted to tell him that this story. Is like ten years <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't happen. So maybe this is the way it'll happen. 
Oh, I my wish, I, dude. He, he, I'm sure he's a nice dude. I wish nothing but the best. But that's no, my no, one. No, no. Uh, that's a great story, though. We're always like, ah, oh, motherfucking Jake Owen <laughs> calling us a shitty cover band. The funny, the the truth is, and why I remember it is because we were a shitty cover band. <laughs> you know. Little did he was you know. right. You play right. the same effing gigs with them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. buddy, we're still in the game. But. Yeah, yeah, it did feel a little bit like that. But um, anyway, did anyway. you watch his show? Is it good? Wait, he's got a show? No, like his. his oh, oh, his, oh like sorry, that, sorry, at that gig. Like, did you go to watch his gig after your gig? Or you guys? We like, did. We did watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he, yeah. You know, he was doing it. Where that's sort of like maybe a big gig for us and we're like pumped about it he's just doing like a one-off corporate thing in the afternoon with it and he, he did embody like a jimmy buffett like real laid back i think it was just i can't remember if it was acoustic or not but a thing or something now yeah i don't i was i was like kind of into that i was like you know i don't mind his songs like these are he's these got are, some hits yeah yeah these are he's, good like well-written crafted yep yeah and, and he does notes, and i think yeah. he does a good job of like for me personally with my personal tastes of of Blending the line between, like, real Americana kind of country, you know, um, I don't know, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleson kind of thing, and then, like, Florida Georgia Line, pop country. Pop country, And yeah. he's, like, sort of in the middle, maybe That's closer good, to pop, but, like, yeah. he's got some tunes that I like that sound like real drums, and <laughs> maybe there's a pedal steel in it. <clears throat> no, you're... Jake, if you need a pedal steel player, <laughs> and you're listening... It's another shitty country band. <laughs> No, that that is a good analysis. That is kind of I heard that I listened to it and I was like, I don't hate this. Yeah, you know? sure. It's got whereas its place. like Florida George Line might be a little bit like you're like, oh, this is over the line. This is so compressed. Yeah. He's oh, welcome, here. Dave LeBlanc, into the room. Dave LeBlanc, what's up, guys? How you doing? How did your business go? Just come to say hello. Quick hello. Just quick hello, and you. It can't stay long. Can't stay long. <laughs> uh, we were playing at an event in Minnesota for the Super Bowl three years ago, I think mm -hmm. it was, uh, Minneapolis, with this company Wheels Up. Yep. And we get done with our final song of a 25-minute set. <laughs> and Keegan-Michael Key jumps on stage with us after we're done and goes, Y'all, will you guys fly to New York City and play my wedding? I swear to God, just like comes out of the gate and says, really? That's yeah, you guys are awesome. Will you come to New York City and play my wedding? We're like, we live in New York City. Like, of course we'll play your wedding. Yeah. Uh, so flash forward of, gosh, just like a couple months, and we played his wedding in uh, the uh, One World Trade Center, and it was a pretty star-studded event, you know, at least for in our perspective. And um, he was just a super nice guy. Couldn't have been friendlier, funnier, and he's talented. You know, he sang he sang some songs with us. Um, we've actually the band has continued to have a nice relationship with him. We've played a few of his house parties, mm -hmm. um, Christmas party I think, and like an anniversary party or birthday or something. That's how big his apartment is. He can have, he can have the barn. Uh, there. <laughs> yeah, well, we did, no, we did like an acoustic thing there, and then we okay, did like, wow. we did play in his building, like in the in the lot in the common area kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, full band. Um, like the rig, like subs, lights, the whole deal, or? I don't remember I don't know if why we I'm had. I'm specific about gears, but now I'm picturing this like. We did have Cipriani all seven level. pieces. No, no, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It, it was it was relatively scaled down, but we did have the full band playing electric and, you know, seven pieces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's been a, a nice dude. I mean, we, we actually, the last we played with him was down in Miami. Uh, for this, this past Super Bowl at the beginning of February. 
he played he, he jumped on during our set he uh we had planned that he came up for two songs and he played uh don't look back in anger oasis and um chris stapleton's version of tennessee whiskey and he's it's awesome like he he loves getting up there we love it because it's obviously a good exposure for us draws a lot of eyes towards the band yeah and uh yeah he's a super nice dude um at his wedding the two big highlights on top of his wedding, just his wedding in general, were that uh, Questlove jumped on stage and played drums with us. Um, <laughs> so, laid down the beat to No Diggity. So, uh, what happened was, we asked Questlove to play with us, and he came over, and I, I was on a rental drum set that um, they had used the night before. I think it was like, they were saying two nights before, it was uh, Josh Freese was playing it mm -hmm. like at, in DC. They were like, oh yeah, Josh. Fr so it was like Josh Freese. I already had some mojo. Me <laughs> and then Questlove <laughs> on this like rental kit. <laughs> you know, it was like pretty, yeah. pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, but um, he sat, I got up, he came over to play. I got up, I handed him my sticks and he goes to sit down and I had the big fat snare drum ring. You know, like Shaw definitely has one. Yeah, like, yeah. Those I rings, yeah. Um, and he goes to sit down. He's like, "Oh, I have one." And he's just like very, very casually was like, "Oh, I got one of these. They're, they're great." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Questlove. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. That's cool. Yeah, man. these are yeah. great for muting drums, <laughs> Questlove. They get a good tone, don't they?" <laughs> and then I went out and I and watched the. And then uh, Seth maybe talked about this in his when you interviewed him, but he turned around and he said to Questlove, he was like, he was like, "Uh, this one's in four. Uh, you know, like <laughs> the time signature for yeah. no diggity. So that's uh, we had some fun with it, but yeah, that was, was a good time. It was, it was a really good time. Uh, really another good. highlight of that night was that Paul Rudd sang with us, um, and you know, Paul Rudd came off as likable as you would hope he would be. Yeah, I can imagine. Like that's the yeah. vibe we got on him too, that he's just this super right. Everyone guy. like everyone loves Paul Rudd, and like I was not disappointed. And we've we've met him a couple times now, and he's he's very friendly and like. He's funny. a New Yorker too, right? He lives on the Upper West or something, right? Uh, like, I don't know where he lives, uh, but I think, yeah, West Side yeah. sounds right. I know someone who takes, I have a guitar student up there and they take their kid to the same school. So every morning they're like, hey, Paul. And he's like, hey, dude. What's up? <laughs> like he's, it's like, hey, totally man. Normal. Yeah. It's not at all. Like, he's like, at first you're like, oh my God, it's Paul. But he's like, he's not like that at all. Yeah, like, I believe, yeah, totally. <clears throat> Which is nice, to, you know. Nice to meet someone like his level, <laughs> yeah, and actually be uh, actually turn out to be a nice guy, yeah. And I really enjoyed the Colbert clip about this wedding where they're talking about you guys doing blister in the sun. He's like, you know, when you hear that riff, yeah, yeah. Did you see that, Dave? He, I did. Yeah, he did an interview. I think it was with um, was it Colbert, and also maybe um, I saw it with Ryan Seacrest and. Um, Whatever his co-host's name is, um, Kelly. Kelly. Ryan yes, and Kelly. Yeah. Kelly Ripa. And he did. He talked about the, his wedding just recently like during COVID. He was talking really? about yeah. it. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, so I have this great band." He was on Colbert, and him and Colbert were talking about them being at his wedding, being on the floor. Oh uh, right, yes. Because Colbert was there, right? Like, I was watching the, the the I was watching the clip of the show, being like, "Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it," and they, they didn't say "Barnstorm." I'm like, "Come on, say it, say it." But yeah, it was really cool, you know. <laughs> like waiting, just like, "Come on, come on, come on," just say it, bro. Say our name. Tip of your toe. Yeah, it's like Beetlejuice. Yeah, say it three times. <laughs>
Um, but no, Keegan's great, and I and honestly, like, uh, it's a good relationship for us to have, and we want to like, you know, I'm sh- you know, post COVID stuff. I really hope that more opportunities come because of it and uh, with him, because he's 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 a nice dude, and he and he's like looking out for us too, which is cool. Yeah. Also, I was gonna say that is n- like. You're sitting in and singing a song. That is Tennessee whiskey is not just like uh, I know. That's a heady song yeah, to sing. Totally. Does he like crush it. Is he like a very accomplished singer? Obviously, yeah. That is a hard. He that also gives me anxiety. He told me at one point like he's like I'm not a country fan. Actually, I don't even know much country music. But I heard this song and I was like, that's amazing. And and, and so he's, you can tell he's got like a singing background. Um, yeah. I think he's classically trained in. Like Shakespearean theater. Yeah. So the dude's got like he can just deep talents. Yeah. yeah. You should interview him. Yeah. <laughs> Keegan, I'm coming by, bro. Like, just, <laughs> just famous. It's not famous. secret famous. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll hook yeah. you up. Yeah. <laughs> Super famous. Yes, that would be funny. <laughs> he so would have better stories than me. You know? <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe he's just working all the time. That's you know? true. You know, have Jake Owen leaving his gig, being like, "I'm not going to this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Probably gets praised all the time. You know. I'm sure he's got some like funny story from early in his career where he's like, got some shit talked about him, and he's like, doesn't forget it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. We talked. Are you taking off? I'm gonna. I'm gonna take off. Guys, this is this is Dave great. LeBlanc. Dave LeBlanc. Good to, good to see everyone. As fast as he's in, he's out. Uh, we'll see you soon, Dave. Yeah, I may, I may just sit over here and, and listen. Good. I don't know if I can wait till the podcast drops. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta listen now. Yeah, how long is this gonna be? Do you edit these things? Sometimes. <laughs> this one maybe I'll edit a little bit. Sometimes not. Or maybe a little bit. Cool. It's it's your decision. There, there's only been a few that have been edited, as per the um, yeah, as per the person's request. Like they. Shared a DWI story and then they were like, uh, can we actually, you know what, I, can we, <laughs> right, 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 sure, that makes sense. <laughs> or there was another one where, so it was like, I gotta, I gotta edit this part out. You're like, ah, it's okay, you know. <laughs> but generally I just keep it, I think it's cool to keep it like live and real and. Cool, cool. Um, well, we didn't ask Dave about making the record, but, oh well. It, well, he he brought up your Lance Bass, Joey Fatone story. So what's <laughs> uh, first off? It's Lance Bass. Uh, excuse me, Lance Bass. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, the short story, and, and this maybe is not the, the the capper that we set it up to be, but basically, uh, Lance Bass would come into Brother Jimmy's, and on a couple of occasions, we played some tunes with him, and. Uh, uh, we never, although we wanted to, we never played Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> we had rehearsed it. We had just thought about it. Like, just okay. thought, let's play Bye Bye Bye. Yeah, yeah. Ne- all, uh, other, uh, uh, beyond him coming to the club, you were just like, let's do this song? Or you were like... Um, I think we, I mean, I, I know how to play Bye Bye Bye. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. The Barstool could do any song. It's um, unbelievable. Four front men. They sing everything. Yeah, um, but... Um, so the, and then and then I guess the the funny part is that we then played not long later at a separate event with Joey Fatone, and that and then and now that's happened twice where he's been like in you know whether he's performed with us or we've been on the bill, and it just feels like we're like crossing paths with uh, former in sync dudes that um, <laughs> you know uh, didn't quite reach the Justin Timberlake level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they were they were nice dudes and and. Uh, uh, I think they may have even not loved being uh, 
former members of NSYNC. I don't know. I I don't want to speculate too much, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, I wonder how that... They're probably sick of every band going into Bye 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 when they walk in the room. They're like, oh, man, this again? Yeah. <laughs> I know. No, I know. It's not even... Yeah. Anyway, maybe, maybe we can edit that one out. Well, that's okay. No, I, I, have a, I have a friend, similarly, who's in a band who did not write the hit song, and people will go into the song that he didn't write and say, Right. That one. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, well, let's get back to the record then. I was going to play... Oh, wait, wait. No, I want to play my new game. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. This is a new game. This is your... your I'm, this, you're breaking your virginity on this game. And on Secret Famous. Uh, this is a game I've gotten really into this summer. Which we musicians do anyway, right? So if you see a person with a guitar... Or something like I'm instantly judging them. Like I'm like, all right, mono band, pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then sure, you're like, cool sure. clothes. And then like, and that could mean that they're they get on stage and they like look cool and have cool gear, but then they could still sound horrible, mm -hmm. right? Like totally, you know, like, of course. <laughs> like, and Pat Firth and I, we've been surfing <laughs> a bunch, right? And it's a similar thing with surfing because yeah. you go surf, you get exhausted, you sit on the beach. And then you're judging every single character that's going out, right? And it could be the guy with the cool-looking board, the great wetsuit. He's super in shape. He looks like Mr. California, and he's horrible. Right. You're like, he right. gets out there, you're like, this guy is a fraud. And then there's, like, some overweight dude who you're who like, oh, no way he's good Crappy gear. Yeah, and then he's, like, shredding, catching yeah. every wave. So the game became, like, Sucker Shred. <laughs> and, and I thought this would be a good game for a podcast. <clears throat> like now, are we predicting whether or just my take on it? Your take on it, yeah. Okay. Like, is this cool or is this not cool? You know what I mean? We'll do a couple of these. Because, uh, like, okay, here's a good one. Let's start here. Sucker Shred. Middle finger in pictures. Is that cool? Is that dated? Suck. Suck. <laughs> Suck. You know, I think... Because I think it relates to our 90s thing, right? Like, we're like, I'm yeah. But to a certain too degree, like, hand gestures in general in pictures don't age well, I think. <laughs> you know? Like, the peace sign, like, peace it's, sign. it's like a, nothing not, not wrong with it, it's just like a, you, you, you know the time and place when you're making peace signs. <laughs> you know? Um, the hang ten sign. You've probably yeah, done some hang I ten signs. I drop the shaka, I some, drop it. In some pictures. It's more of a greeting now, but I try not to do it in pictures. Because also, classic, everybody drops rock horns, right? <laughs> Right, right, that's still. Uh, yeah, I've seen that one out there. I'm, I'm gonna say suck on that too. <laughs> yeah, like the rock horns, like yeah. that one feels like early toothies. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, oh man, this is so dated. Yeah. All right, that was good. That was already great. How about this one? COVID dying. COVID dying. COVID going out to eat. Sucker oh, COVID shred. dining. Um. Do you do it? Suck. Are you doing? So, I mean, it's, it's sucking that I I really haven't done it. So I guess maybe I'm a bad answer, but like I haven't chosen to don't do it. I'd rather just eat at my house or on the deck. Uh, yeah, I've no, done I have too. I see stuff. people doing it. We're doing a lot of takeout. I see people going out. I'm like, I don't know. Is it too soon? I don't know. You know, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to me to sit like on a road where cars are passing by even closer, separated by traffic cones and like a little sheet of canvas. Yeah. Like, if I were overlooking um, the water or something, of course. But just to sit on a street and eat at a restaurant, for now, suck. You suck. You yeah. suck. <laughs> I'm with that one. Um, 
this one relates specifically to your music. <laughs> Shred. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I thought, look, look, look. You are an exceptional, have an exceptional wealth of cover material. Right? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But yes, you're, I you're no, I, and I mean this commendable because then now you're still doing and releasing original music. And that's. Yeah, yeah. That's to me like I I came to New York to do original music. So, and <clears throat> the culture has really changed. But how about Sucker Shred recording covers? Um, whew. I know this this is a loaded one. Can I right? make a distinction? Of course. Recording a cover, I'm gonna go Shred. Recording a cover. For the purposes of being in a cover band in a studio, suck. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if I'm promoting my cover band, which I have, and so the, I'll just say it, the Barnstorm has not done any studio recordings of the video, of the covers we've done. We've done live recordings, and I think that's my distinction. You know, like we're not, oh, we're not going so through. So what you have released is a live recording. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. All all live. Vocals and guitars and drums. Because uh, the idea of like going back and like editing a cover for the purpose of marketing it as a cover band, I don't, I feels, feels very inauthentic to me. The idea of recording a cover in a studio, you know, that's cool. That's, there's a lot of great covers out there, you know. <coughs> of course. So I would, I would do that. I would do that. Yeah, because, well, you have such a strong catalog of original music. And I just see, and this one maybe comes from my teaching of working with teenagers. And they're, it's like, they're all just recording cover songs all the time. And I'm like, guys, from our 90s thing, mm -hmm. it was like, mm -hmm. dude, you write your own songs. Yeah. And you do your own thing. That's like why I'm showing you the major scale or why I showed you these chords. It's like, make your own thing. Stop only doing covers. So this is one that I hold, hold close to my heart because it's like, just write your own damn songs. Like, who cares about Recording covers, of course, learn covers, you know? Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I guess maybe with like the whole like YouTube culture that has gone on, you know, sort of after our time, not after our time, but after our adolescence, um, that maybe it's a foot in the door for the people see it as like, well, if they know this Taylor Swift song and I do a funky, fresh acoustic version of it, that may get me the exposure I need. And for some people that does work. I mean, you know, I feel like I've learned about some bands and stuff because they did like, a very topical pop cover, and um, but overall, yeah, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't really appeal to me. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're just playing them all the time, anyway. So when I'm not working, I want to be doing my own. <laughs> yeah, thing. you know, I also have a perspective on cover bands that I, I'd like to to perhaps share with you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that cover bands and cover uh, musicians get a bad rep from oh, absolutely. both yeah. musicians and non musicians. I think people think of it as, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, it's just low level. And then I, I think about like someone who's gone to Juilliard and like trained playing classical music, like a violinist, and you wouldn't have the same opinion of them, but they are playing cover music a lot of times of composers who died hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. or, or at the very least, it's not maybe their their music. Now, I guess what I'm just saying is like people have a very, uh, I think, hypocritical opinion of. Uh, cover bands in that classic sense. 
I would fully agree. Yeah. yeah. And like, it doesn't keep me up at night, but, <laughs> you know, I've, I've I no, just had to bring that here, point bro. up before different conversations and people are like, oh yeah, like that violinist is just playing notes on a page, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I have two things to say to that. Number one, that is a business that is not, I don't think going to survive COVID is symphonies and operas. Mm, haven't even thought about that right yeah. like uh, everything i've heard it's like they're they were already underwater financially yeah and that's like, unfortunate what i've heard about the metropolitan opera it's like this might just not exist wow. in, as long wow. as this goes on which is interesting <clears throat> but i do agree with you my my thing always was too like what i enjoy about the barnstorm is like we don't it's not necessary to create recreate the record you're creating a moment mm -hmm. right there totally as a a good cover artist is like this is a brand new experience that we're sharing together through this shared song right through yep. this medium yes, yes. right so you don't i don't need to hear the note for note perfect like i want to be you, you right guys you want to hear yes. barnstorm's interacting with you the whole time you know what I mean? it's yeah. like a new thing so well and, and specific to the barnstorm like we very rarely have ever picked a set list because we like to have the <laughs> well cause, because we like to have no. the creative control as we go along which i know in some people's regard is like very lazy and maybe um i don't know like phoning it in but we like to have similar to i guess a dj like to have the ability to be like all right well this this is not working this, you know, Motown song. So let's play this country song. Oh, it is working. Or this 90s song is not working. Let's play back to Motown. Specific, you know, like with corporate events and weddings and, and bar gigs, you know, I like to have that kind of uh, flexibility sometimes. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Because you can play DJ. You know, that... That's a veteran cover band thing too, is that you can, you can adjust and you have a wealth of songs. You're not like, I know these 30 tunes. These are what I'm playing. It's like, no, we know like 500 tunes. Right, okay. right. Exactly. We see what is really hitting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's been many times in the Barnstorm's life that we have been one band one night and a different band the next night. You know, yeah. like we'll play some event and we're like, we only want you to play country songs. We're like, great, we can do that. And then some events they're like, classic rock, only play classic rock. And it just... Even though we're the same band, it does feel sometimes that we can reinvent ourselves yeah. quickly, which is cool. Yeah. No. That was good. Yeah. I <clears throat> I think more this Soccer Shred was to recording covers, but that led to a nice place. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Well, I think you and I both had the, <clears throat> I don't know to say it's unique experience, but the shared experience of, of playing covers band, being in cover bands, being original bands. You see how people react. You see what gets you hired. Yeah. And a lot of times it is the cover route. And so for better or for worse, like we as musicians fall into that. But but I guess what I would argue is like there's nothing wrong with it. There is definitely nothing wrong with it. And I mean, to that point, I was like, I'm not, when I came to New York, I was like, I'm not playing a wedding till I'm 30. And then when I'm 30, all I'm doing is playing weddings now. You know what I mean? But then so, you're moving out of the city when you're 33. So you only have like, three years to... What? It's it, like, if you want to make it a vocation instead of just an avocation, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're going to have to learn some tunes and go play them sometimes. Right. Or else you're not going to get hired. You're and, never going to get hired. Unless you're, like, really lucky. Yes. But unless then, you're in that Josh Hamilton percentage of yep, yep. You know, discovered or financially whatever. Who yep. knows? But at the end of the day, like, I love having the ability to play in different types of styles, whether it's covers, original music. You know, it just keeps me getting better and I can learn more. Like, I honestly sort of had this thought, and I I know some dudes that have been in one band their whole life. 
Mm. And they've had some success, but like it's, it's enough to keep them in that one band, but they don't have other outlets. And, um, you know, grass is always greener, but I, I, I wonder what that is like. Cause they, maybe they would love to have played in, you know, 30 different bands a year kind of thing. You know, I don't know. I'm sure they would have. I, I do feel, I know what you're saying. Other musicians who look at working, working guys musicians, like, yeah. like, wow, that's cool that you get to do that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, so, yeah, simultaneously you're like, well, dude, you're, you're doing something pretty cool. Right. Too, right. Like, of course. So it's, you know, again, grass is always greener, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, final sucker shred here. This one, I'm putting Cam on the spot a little bit because we are in a Musicians Talk Sports group chain, um, which also has rip on fish a lot. But uh, jam bands, sucker shred. <laughs> I'm going to get shit on for this, but I'm going to go suck. I'm going to go suck. <laughs> not a jam band guy. I'm not a jam band guy. 90s rock. I- yeah, like seventies country. Man, I guess I think that's jam band. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's obviously some great talented jam bands out there. I think Jimmy Herring is from North Carolina, or maybe oh, yeah. he's from Florida. And 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 there's a huge fan base, and so this is gonna totally piss people off. But I like I like the idea of like const- construction with things, you know, well constructed songs. Yeah. And while I love guitar solos and and all the stuff that the great jam band guitar players do. Um, it's just not my thing, you know, it's just not my thing. So, uh, you know, and I, and I'll tell you how I know it's not my thing. I've never been to a fish show. <laughs> I've never been to like a widespread show. What about Dave? Uh, I've been to some Dave shows. Um, but even then, like, I, is, is David, is David jam band in the classic? I don't know how, I guess we could get the minutia of that, uh, jam Yeah. Bands, I mean, he but... comes from that world and he was from right. that circuit, right. right? But mm-hmm. no, I guess you wouldn't necessarily, there is long extended solos per se in the live stuff yeah yeah but it's that is a that's a lot of gray area in that it's, it's a yeah. lot of gray area um that said i in it, my i didn't grow up a grateful dead fan like my parents were not into the dead they were again into more like <laughs> you know the uh, eagles the eagles exactly yeah. that side of the spectrum uh i do listen to the dead a lot so do you uh yeah is that a more recent in recent years just like I've, I've had to play some of Dead songs and I've gotten into like learning some Jerry Garcia licks and like how he approaches solos. He's an unreal guitar player. He is, he is. And yeah. it sounds very simple sometimes what he's doing. So I've, 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 I have tried to learn some of his solos, um, at least snippets of them. Because, you know, they get... Yeah, 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 no. You only need to get a couple of his licks. But in the uber geekiest guitar player thing, as soon as you get into Jerry's thing a little bit, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. What is going on? So yeah. I listened to it for that. And, like, I listened to some Warren Haynes and... Um, also... Government Mule. which is musician. Yeah, uh, Tedeschi Trucks. So I know I said suck, but... Um, it's I, not your thing. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, you could say suck. I want strong opinions, damn it. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's bring people out. Let's wrap this up. All right, Thank awesome. you for Thank you, P. Maddie, for time. having me on uh, Secret Famous. I feel honored to be a part of it. Seriously. So, oh, dude. <clears throat> My favorite track on the record. So I heard this song, and it's got a little bit of jam band in it. It's got the extended oh, outro. Yes. And I heard this song, and I was like, this is the song for, this is written for the musicians, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. A Better Me Soon. Tell us about this track. We'll play people out. I, I was like, this is really i liked the whole idea of it tell me about the song cool well yeah thanks i'm glad you like it um so this song came about from like a uh 
lyrically from a, like a self betterment perspective, you know, a better me soon and thinking about like these different things. And, um, and then, uh, the chorus is like, sort of turns into more of a love song where it's acknowledgement that like, uh, that my partner, my wife has made it a, me a better person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly so how I interpret it. Yeah. I, uh, that was the basis of the song. I mute now musically, sonically, I went into the recording session and rehearsals for it with a very different idea of how it would sound. Uh, it was much more straight ahead rock. Um, it was not as jammy and laid, laid back, even though it does get a little aggressive, I guess at the end. Um, and Paul Lauren in his awesome talents was like, I just want to, I want to tone this down. I want to make it less STP and more Elvis Costello. Mm. It was a phrase he used. And, uh, so, you know, he came up with this cool little intro guitar part, or sorry, keyboard part, which sounds almost uh, like a very Binmont Tinch, um, uh, Heartbreakers. Yep, yeah. And that sort of led the way for the, the song, and we got, like, dark with it. Now, the outro was sort of, you know, one of those, like, happy accidents where we're just like, we're going to fade this out, so let's just see what happens on these different takes. Let's play for it. I think we a couple takes we did more of a steady outro, which is you know um, not getting jammy, and then on a couple of the takes we had everyone let loose and you know, bass is flying around, Dave on drums is flying around, um, some of the uh, overdubs I did on Steel were were fun and and stuff. So it really evolved quite naturally, um, and there wasn't a whole lot of intention that it would turn into a jam. Yeah, but I'm so glad it did because it is one of the my favorite parts of the record, mainly because I, I when I hear it I'm like I can put myself in the space of where we were in that room, like creating a new thing, which felt super um, inspiring. You know, I was just like honestly, it was like that one of the highlights of the whole experience for me was was making music in a room that I'm proud of and like doing it live essentially mm, yeah we, we tracked uh the whole record was tracked live though. well yeah not the whole record but um drums bass rhythm guitar and keys were tracked live so overdubs with some guitars and then the vocals were overdubbed um and steel but um it, it embodies that like new energy you know which, yeah. which i think is, is really cool is that one take or did you kind of mash some takes together um you don't have to reveal what. I'm no, no, about. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm I'm almost positive it was one take. Uh, we recorded this on two inch tape. On oh uh, really? Yeah, we went into analog and that on the tape. Explains the sound. Yes. Yeah, and Paul's such a gearhead. You know, wanted, he from like moment one, he was like, I want to go on a tape with a live band, and then we'll dump it into Pro Tools and we can do it. You know, edit from there. So that's what we did. So uh, I think maybe a, another tune on the record was spliced from takes, but just like part A, part B. And I don't know if anything else was. I don't think a better me soon was. Um, that's one pass. One pass. Yeah. Yeah. Onto tape. That's on wise. tape. Cool. It was cool. Oh, that it was is cool to watch. It was cool to hear. That's one of the best musical experiences of my life is making a record to tape, and I've only done it once. Yeah, so. it's great, right? <laughs> like, I, there's something about it. It just feels like the best way I can put it for all the, the all the listeners out there. It's like it felt like it was just like a gel had been made, like a like you poured the powder in the water, and like in other parts of my life, recording digitally, it, it just becomes a messy messy mess, you know. And this was like you pour all these things in, and it's like solidified Sonic, sonically. It's just like the drums sound like the bass, sound like the guitar, sound like the vocals. Um, there's that like cohesiveness to it. That's an interesting 
take on it. Yeah, and now when you were doing it to tape, you would come back into the studio and you weren't looking at a screen. You were just listening to it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we... To me, that was like, when right. I look back on that experience, the, 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 I'm like, why did this change it so much? Because I'm not looking at waveforms. I'm just oh, hearing really? it and not being like, well, that's a mess up. That like that's not how music happens, dude. You know? Yeah, like you're right about that. I hadn't really thought of that angle. Like the what we were looking at, if I recall, like the, the each meter had its own thing. You know how meters go? They're yeah, like sorely delayed. Yeah. And yeah. so you see them, but they all delay together. So they're all like wipers. You know, they go up fast and they go back down. So like, so that's sort of mesmerizing that you don't get with digital because um, it's sharper. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. We wouldn't back in. You know, shut our eyes, like, just listen to it. And yeah, it either feels awesome or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like, well, dude, in the bridge, you know, and then we'll fly this in. Yeah, no, there's, that's awesome that you got to do that to take. And yeah, I love the idea of recording live too, because it eliminates even the possibility of a lot of nitpicky overdubs, where digital allows that, and then it, for me at least, it like tricks my brain being like, oh, well, I can fix that later, or... I'll move that around, or I can compress that differently. Whereas doing a tape, you really have to like get it right, and then also like forget about it and like um, move on because you can't yeah. overanalyze. And then I think what happens, and I'm sure you've maybe experienced this with a lot of projects you've done, is that you get really into a project that you have your hands on, and years later go back and listen to it, and you're happy with it. But at the moment when you're doing it, you're like too close to it mm-hmm. because of that, um, that ed- ed- editing capability, I think. That's what I think it comes from. Yeah. Um, where this did not allow for the editing capability. So we just moved on, you know. So it was just, that was it. Rhythm, guitar, piano, bass, drums, done. And then you did light overdubs. And then you didn't do the vocals to tape, though. That was still. Correct. The vocals, um, the vocals did not go to tape. Vocals went digitally. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that said... They got run back. They go in digitally, and they went back to Paul's like 1970s MCI board. Yes. And then out to some more outboard gear, all analog. Then I think back to the MCI board. I'm not sure exactly how it works, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. basically no, no. there was another analog component to it, where uh, you know we were able to edit the vocals digitally, but the final product was sent through analog components. Yes. And there are people who speak of this who know much more about it than me. The other thing is that, like, something about listening to tape, it just doesn't exhaust your ears as much. I, I believe that, yep. Right. Digital allows for higher uh, headroom. Yes. So after, yeah, yeah 20 minutes, you're, you're exhausted. Recording to tape, you're like, three hours later, you're like, oh, maybe we should go for a swim or walk. Or yeah, there's a yeah. nice, like, like, muted quality to tape that I love. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like listening to a record, you know? It's just not going to shrill your ears because it doesn't have the capability to Mm. like the physical um makeup of tape and albums and analog stuff can't produce the high-end sounds like digital does yeah it's true yeah well cool i (laughs) now that's awesome so my final question is always what's i know this is an uncertain time but what is in the future oh man that's yeah that's an interesting question Um, creative Projects. Yeah, uh, so uh, now that we moved in this house, I, I, I would love to do more at-home recording projects, um, whether it's overdubs for people on steel, you know, uh, or my own material, maybe doing like an acoustic acoustic project down here. Um, there's a drum set set up behind you that yeah. I've 
at Dave. It's Dave's drum set, and um, I'm ready to go down here. Yeah, yeah. this is so gonna be, be great. Cool to like build this out more uh, as far as recording capabilities. Uh, gigs wise, unfortunately, not a lot. I think the Barnstorm's got a couple more things in the fall that we might get in under the wire before uh, the cold weather sets in. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of stuff pushed to 2021. So at the moment, our 2021 is super busy. And yep, 2021 is going to be bonkers. It's going to be bonkers. And like, it's almost so bonkers at the moment that I'm like, dread is the wrong word. I'm not dreading it. I'm like a little anxious about it. Like, are we, are we going to be able to keep up? Because right now I'm not doing anything. And next year we're just going to be balls to the wall. Yeah. But that's great. You know, I'm grateful for it. And it's going to get us back in the game. And um, I miss playing. I miss playing live bands, man. I'm, I'm sure you do too. It's like... Um, it's a big part of my life is is being around live music. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of our lives around live music, playing live music, you know. Um, and when you just take it away real quick, a lot of the things I didn't, you know, I, I could gloss over, and I had other things to focus on. But you know, I miss playing <laughs> live music with my friends. Now, I don't even really care about the the, the crowd fandom thing. You know, it's like I, I just want to like be involved with music more. Than I am right now. Yeah. And then the you know the fan thing will come, or like the bars will open back up, and we'll get hired for parties, and that'll come back. But I uh, first, uh, so I uh, sorry to segue with the final topic, but like no. my idea for this fall, and this is what I will be probably doing the most, is rehearsing full band rehearsals. So uh, Seth Andercheck, uh, Kenny Shaw, oh, that's right. yeah, and yeah, Alex yeah. Miller and I had a rehearsal just last week for a new little project that we're doing. Um, that's fun and exciting. I've yeah. talked to Dave about it. Like, I would love to have like a once a week rehearsal and I know I got to pay for it and I know I got to do the steps that like we were typically were like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rehearse. Yeah. And like, what are we even <laughs> rehearsing for? Yeah. But, but, but I would rather do the, the, the exercise of, of playing with a band over this next six, nine months of the winter. If, if I don't have gigs, than sit on my hands. Mm -hmm. So it will. At so least you want you, you want to start a band? So <laughs> Seriously, I'm. What are you doing next week? You want to get a student? Let's get a drummer we'll and a bass a player, and yeah. uh, we'll get a band together. <laughs> no, that's I have seen Seth a bunch lately, and he was telling me about this, and I was jealous. I think was that Monday that you guys played or something? Yeah, Tuesday, mm -hmm. and he was like, "Yeah, I got rehearsal." I was like, "Oh, you." <laughs> but but the thing, we can do it, man. Let's let's just like <laughs> let's just form a band. Let's just come up with, and let's get in a room. And, and just make songs. Make songs because there's zero pressure. It's not like we have to rehearse for a deadline. It's like, well, you know, let's just have fun. See our buddies. Do do things like like you coming out and see me today is like a sort of an example of that. Like you got to take initiative and make it happen sometimes. And, and Yeah. No, this is as well. So my wife's a teacher and like July and August, I'm usually very mellow, not really working. I get to spend time with her mm -hmm. going away. But all of a sudden, like September hit and I was like. Trying to schedule, yeah, just even play dates, playing guitar with people. Just, yeah, just because I miss it yeah. so much too. I'm like, I let, let's sit in a park and just even strum, cool, a little bit. Just well, I got shit. guitars here. We can once we're done with yeah. this interview, like <laughs> a little picking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like exactly, like just the feeling of playing with humanity. That's yeah, cool, dude. and I'm, that's a great thing that you guys are doing that. And the note, as soon as everything goes to shit in the music business, as soon as you put pressure on it. Mm -hmm. So to mm. go in with no expectation. And no pressure, that will make the music better. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll feel like super fresh and inspiring because it's it is whatever we want it to do and whatever we want it to be. And yeah, I'm excited about that specific project. I'm and then also excited about having this this outlet of 
if there's not going to be gigs and there's not going to be live band ways of getting together, let's just figure out a way of making it happen. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Mitchell, CameronMitchell.com. CameronMitchell.net. .net. .com is the restaurateur who's opened up a, a number of successful restaurants. Wow. You have a popular <clears throat> name. Yeah. Uh, and the album is called Masquerades and Grand Parades. We're going to play you out with a better me soon. Cameron, thanks so much for taking the time. P. Maddie, thanks for having me, dude. By, this dude. is a lot of fun. You're the man. Thank You're you the man. so much.